Good morning, church. Um, for who, those who don't know us, uh, we're George and Lori, and we've been asked to uh, do the Bible reading uh, this morning. And uh, we'd like you to all follow along in, with your Bibles or your phones or your tablets uh, or anything else you want. They'll be on the screen as well. Um, we're reading from Philippians 3, starting at verse 10. Um, and if you're able, if you could stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. So starting in verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and his participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attaining to the re resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already at, arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have as us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly body, bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, let us pray. Lord, as uh, Todd opens uh, the word uh, to us, uh, Lord, may uh, his words uh, come only from you. Uh, Lord, may our hearts and our ears uh, be attentive to what you have uh, for us today. Lord, may we all go home uh, believing and knowing that you've spoke to each one of us individually. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, George, Lori, thank you, music team. Um, great to be here. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Todd, so I know it. I put it on the screen for myself to remind myself, so sometimes that's good to do. Um, I'm told it's good to, you know, when you, stand, when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you, you, you say that, you know, you're worthy, you love yourself, like all of that. Some people do that, and actually it does work once in a while, because not everybody does it for us. And so, uh, maybe some of us do it too much. But uh, talk, uh, I, I have the privilege of serving Emmanuel on, uh, on the board, and so that's part of it, and alongside helping lead one of our small groups, which is fantastic. And today, I get the privilege of opening up, opening up God's Word, which was read for you, uh, for us, and um, God has so much in there for us. What makes a good relationship? Think about that for a second. What makes a good relationship? What, who's a good, you don't have to shout this out to me, but who's a good friend that you have? 
Any of you thought your dog or your cat or... Did that come to mind first? I hope not, but, you know, it's possible. Um, and why we do it, you know. Um, I, think, I think we all crave good relationships. But not just good relationships. I think we want great relationships. Um, and I've entitled today, Best Relationship Ever. Best Relationship Ever. I don't know if you saw, my, my pictures probably aren't that great on there, and I apologize for that, but I was scrolling through Instagram, I don't know, a month or two ago, and, and I came across this story, and maybe you heard it too, and, and it was this young boy, I can't remember, maybe two years old or so, and was out around uh, in, its, in his neighborhood, and he fell in a manhole or an uncovered, just a giant, uh, it was a pipe, and went down many, many, many feet. And he's only like two or three or so, and, and, and you see, I don't know if you see it there, but, but dad is, fran- they show the size of the hole there, dad's frantically looking around, and they discover that their son is down this hole. So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? They try to get the, the infant out, and they can't, like, won't grab onto things, this hole's only so big, most of us are too big to go down it, so what do you do? Well, so happens there's a young man who's probably seven, eight, maybe ten, who's skinny enough to go down this hole. And we have, I think, another picture there that might come up. There's the young man up in the top left. And so he's like, yeah, I'm in. So they fit him with a little uh, light on his head, and they slowly let him down. But, like, he's barely the size so he's kind of squeezing down. I have no idea what's going through his mind. I don't know about you, but one of the things I fear is small spaces. I hate small spaces. When I was a kid, I have two brothers. I'm in the middle. We're all, uh, my older brother's two years older. My younger brother's two years younger. And they would, I would pick on my younger brother. So my older brother would come in. And so he would take me down. And they used to like just sit on me. And I hated it. I couldn't breathe. Anyways, so this is going in my head as I'm watching, as I'm, I'm scrolling through this story. And this kid goes down, grabs the little boy, and comes back out. Hmm. Have you ever been rescued by anybody? Anybody help you? I want to bet that as that relationship grows, one, that they will have a relationship. He probably, the little boy, probably has no idea what happened and may not remember it, and will probably be told it, or we'll see pictures of him all over the internet or something. <laughs> but I want to bet that it might be a best relationship ever. <laughs> what makes a best relationship ever for you? I think these two will become friends. The Apostle Paul has written a letter to this church in Philippi. He calls them the Philippians church, and they're his good friends. Um, he actually, in, in chapter 3, verse 13 and 17, through our passage here, he calls them his brothers and his sisters. He has a good relationship with them. He says it a couple of times. At the end, in chapter 4, verse 1, he actually says, it's those he loves and he longs for. This is the church. It says it's his joy, actually, in verse 1. And his crown, so his joy, in other words, they bring him joy. <laughs> Anybody in this church bring you joy? Don't answer that, I hope so. Let them know. He also says they're his crown. In other words, they're his prize. 
Like they're everything to him. What, what do you prize? What, what, if, if, if your house is burning down, what do you take with you? What is it? Is it a person? Hmm. Paul says that people are his joy and his prize and his crown. And Paul wants to remind his good friends um, of the best relationship ever. And it's actually not them. <laughs> so who is it? Philippians chapter 1, as Pastor Kyle has gone through this, uh, he's been leading this concept and idea of what joy is, and, and it comes in Christ. Philippians 1, Jesus Christ will see them through, see us through. So Paul's hope uh, is for their love in Jesus, and he prays for this in Philippians chapter 1. He says, may uh, your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight about Jesus Christ, because he is the best relationship ever. He continues on. Uh, Christ is the reason that he is in prison, chapter 1. In other words, Christ is worth his life. Christ actually is his life. Best relationship ever. Chapter 2, Paul tells us about Christ and how, uh, about his humility and that it's Christ and he humbled himself and he gave himself up for us. And as a result, God the Father exalted Jesus Christ over everything and over everyone in heaven, it says, and on earth and under the earth. And as a result, people like Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul himself have given their lives trusting to Jesus Christ. Because Christ has humbled himself for them. Because he is the best relationship ever. Then comes chapter 3. And the first part of it, we'll look at the second part. Paul shares that knowing Christ is more important than anything else. Any power, any status, any ability, you name it, nothing compares to a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, it's all garbage, actually. Everything I've had or I'm known for or whatever, it does not compare. Why? Because Jesus is the best relationship ever. So here we land in the last part of chapter 3, and Paul simply says this, and this is our theme, I want to know Christ. That's how he starts verse 10. So this is our challenge this morning. Do we want to know Christ? Do you want to know Christ? Do you want to know Jesus? Is he the best relationship ever? So what does it mean to know Christ. Uh, verse 8, it says this. I'll read it on the screen. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. For Paul, Christ is everything. In fact, if you look a few verses back, we don't have it for you here, but in verse 8 he says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. More than anything he has or anything he is or wherever will be, he wants to know Jesus Christ more. This is his goal, verse 12. This is what it says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. So what does it mean to know Christ? What's Paul saying here? It is not Paul's aim to know about Christ. It is his desire to personally know Christ. You catch that? It's not about knowing about a friend. 
It's becoming a friend. This is his goal. To know. If you pull the word apart, it actually means to learn, to come to know, to be intimate with, to understand. It's the closest and most intimate personal relationship that you will ever have. You know them so well. In fact, the Bible uses this term for marriage and the intimacy in marriage. It's the best relationship ever. This knowledge the Apostle Paul is talking about here is not simply a casual contact now and then. It's not a coffee that we have (laughs) with just a friend. It's an everyday coffee we have with a friend. (laughs) We can't wait after we've left that relationship to go back to it. We can't wait to call them. We can't wait to text them. We can't wait to hear from them. Do you have anybody like that? In fact, when we're not talking with them, we miss them. Best relationship ever. That's what he's saying here. That's what Paul's trying to get at. It comes by two of us, Jesus and I, living our lives together moment by moment, sharing experiences. And this is how Paul says we get to know Christ. So I think that's a great idea. That's a head idea. But he says, this is how the relationship works in these verses. I want to know Christ, yes. And then what does it say? To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Okay. Here we go. What is resurrection power? What's the difference between resurrection power and any other power we can have? We need to ask that. How different is it? Because this is what the New Testament tells us, this power that is in every believer who lives and believes and follows Christ. It is a risen Lord who dwells within us, and we have that power which is able to do above all that we ask or think according to this power which works in us, Paul says. This is the power of Christ's resurrection. So what is this power? It's the power that actually raised Christ from the dead. It's the power where there was no life, now there is life. It's the power that when God speaks things into being, it happens. (laughs) This is resurrection power. It's the power that is perfectly adequate for every possible circumstance and situation. It is confidently acting in full assurance that God himself is acting within us. And that our power is his resurrection power. Cool side note, this word power, it is actually the Greek word dynamis. Do you know any other word that starts with dyn? Kaboom! It's, it's dynamite. In other words, nothing can stop it. That's where we get this word from. That's pretty cool. Dynamite, dynamis. It makes things happen. No one can stop dynamis. So what is the uniqueness of this resurrection power? You know, as we read uh, the gospel and accounts of Jesus, I think it is clear that the resurrection power is the kind of uh, power that works when all other hope is gone. Where's your hope today? How are things working out for you? <laughs> I think one of those questions that's very telling of us is you say, hey, how's that working out for you? And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, don't ask that, please. Not today, tomorrow when I'm in a little bit better mood, when I've had my coffee or whatever, you know. That's what this power is for. Resurrection power is when we have no hope. You know, it's interesting. I think this was true of uh, the grave of Jesus Christ. If you recall, and we talk, really celebrated at Easter, I guess, and, and 
when Christ goes to the cross, Christ dies, he's crucified, he's put into the grave. And if you follow the disciples after that, it's a mess. It's miserable. Hope is gone. Where's our Savior? He was with us. Now he's not with us anymore. And if you follow that along, it becomes like hopelessness, dreary abandon. They actually go back into their own routine, and they don't know what to do now. Do you ever find yourself that way? Do you ever find life circumstances kind of put you in a place where you're like, ah, you know what, God, where are you? I need you. You're not here. And then all of a sudden things change because, boom, Christ is resurrected. And out of that despair and death, out of that hopelessness, comes a shining light, uh, and, and of the resurrection, everything changed, and everything is transformed. There's a new perspective. That is resurrection power. In fact, one of the cool stories, if you read in the Gospels, is when Christ came to life, so did many other people come out of the grave that day. That's resurrection life. That's our hope. That's what's available to us now. That's what Paul says. The resurrection power within us is the power that turns defeat into success. He turns failure into victory, sorrow into joy, despair into hope. Best friend ever. You need a best friend? He's our best friend. This resurrection power is a guarantee of immortality. Death is not the end, the Bible tells us. Because Christ lives, we will live as well. His conquest is our conquest. His victory is our victory. The resurrection power is the guarantee that in life, the presence of the risen Lord is always here within the believer. Do you walk around knowing that? He's here through the Holy Spirit. That's, we like that one. I like the resurrection power one. <laughs> but it says here there's a second part to it. The second thing that stems from this knowledge of knowing Christ is the fellowship of his sufferings. Here we go. To suffer for the faith is not a penalty. To suffer for Jesus and to follow Jesus is not a penalty. It's actually a privilege. That's what Paul says. For Paul, it sounds like suffering and resurrection power go hand in hand. We don't get one without the other. If you're suffering right now, God will give you resurrection power what he says if you're wanting to experience resurrection power you know what you may go through a time of suffering they go hand in hand can't have one without the other seems to be what Paul is getting to here you know Christ's resurrection power came through what his suffering on the cross right as we experience suffering and resurrection power, we get to know Jesus more because we get to experience what Jesus dealt with. So how many of us are suffering? That's probably a bad question to ask. I'm sorry. <laughs> how many of us are suffering? Many things have come our way to challenge our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's suffering. Maybe our loved ones are suffering today. I know our church is suffering. We're walking through challenges. If you've been alongside us over the last little while, you know that you've heard it. Challenges financially. Challenges that play off of that. We're suffering. 
God says, as we experience suffering, pray, talk to him, persevere, press on. For as we do, we will experience what? Resurrection power. Joy comes when resurrection power meets our suffering. Um, I, uh, about a year ago, November, I think, something like that, yeah, about a year ago. I'm a very emotional guy. Um, you may or may not know that. And um, I, I like to feel, and I like relationships. So I, li- I like to talk and, and listen, and, and I want to know where people are at. And sometimes I want to let people know where I'm at. Um, I'm a very emotional guy that way in relationships. And so I said, God, like, I, I, I know you're the best relationship ever. You tell me that. You've told me that for years. But sometimes I'm not feeling that. And I need to feel that at times. And, and last November, I, I, I asked God, I said, I need to feel you. I don't know where you guys are at, and maybe you've asked that too. And, and so about a year ago, in December, my mom passed away. And, and it was sudden, fairly sudden. We got to say, we, it, it was as best as could be, um, for me anyways, and got to spend some time with my mom. Um, and that was hard. I love my mom. That was in December. Come January, I'm at my office, I'm working away, um, and I'm not a really good computer person. I, I use it, I know what I needs to be done, and then uh, for some reason up pops this, you have a virus on your computer? Have you ever, have you ever had this? And I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. I might not have said shoot, but ah, oh, shoot. And I'm like, you know, and, and there's this number, and so I call the number, and I'm starting to work through it, and I didn't actually have a virus, but after I called the number, you know what happened? Yeah, there you go. You know? So I lost my mom, and that was kind of, we saw it coming, but it's just really emotional. Now I've done something so stupid. And I'm a very private, prideful individual. And I have just entered into, I don't know what, I'm not going to have to change my MasterCard. I'm going to have to go home and tell my wife what I just did. And I actually spent like half a day or a day at my office trying to fix it, and I was doing the opposite. I got so mad at myself. Suffering number two. Okay, February, that's January. February comes along. I have a meeting um, on the island. I work with our group of churches and to help them walk through things, help some of their leaders, meet with their leaders, a number of things, coaching stuff. And uh, I'm driving over to, uh, we had that freak snowstorm, I don't know if you remember in February, kind of a couple of days of it. Anyways, I have a nice little 4x4 truck, had winter tires on it. I'm driving over onto the island in the morning. It's probably about 9 o'clock. I'm on my way from Nanaimo to Courtney where we're meeting, and as I'm driving, I come up around a corner. They had a snowstorm too, and, and I slide. I've driven in snow for many years in all places in BC, ice, you name it. I, I, I started sliding. I couldn't control. I rolled my truck. I ended up in a ditch on the side. Huh. It's my favorite truck too. I hadn't had it that long. Funny part... Better be careful on the length of my stories. Funny part is I, I climb out. All, all, everything in my, my truck smells like gas. All my windows are shattered. Um, I climb out by the grace of God. My passenger window, because I'm on my side, um, I have one little cut. Just one little cut. I'm standing on top of my truck as some cars are slowly going by. The police have just come. And as I look... I see one car that drives by, and, and it's the guys that I'm going to meet in Courtney, and they just keep on going. <laughs> like, what? What? 
They're not the best friends ever. Um, <laughs> my, my truck never came home with me. There's some, there's some amazing things that went in that, and I don't have time for that adventure. Um, March hits. I was actually supposed to preach on a Sunday in March for Pastor Kyle. And uh, Friday, I said, I'm not feeling well. I went into the hospital, and I had an infection in my kidneys, and I had emergency surgery. I said, Kyle, I can't, I can't make it. You know, I think I'm getting tired of being close to God through all of that, you know? But I will say this through all of that, and, and I'm just giving you a short snippet. I felt God and his power all the way through. I wouldn't have chosen any of those things. I wouldn't wish most of those things on any of you <laughs> or my enemies. Some of you are walking through those things with me, aren't you? <laughs> and that you're facing. I don't know what that all looks like for us. But I, I, I look back and I'm like, God, I did not get mad at you. I did not. Like, you were there. And I wouldn't have known it unless I went through it. And I wouldn't have known it unless God's resurrection power is true. Anyways, joy comes in knowing Christ more. That's point number one. <laughs> A couple other things here. To know Christ is to press on. This is what it says here in this passage, and I'll read it with you. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. God says here, press on. You want to know Christ? Press on. You want to know his power? Press on. You want to get through the suffering? Press on. Move forward. Take hold for that which Christ Jesus takes hold of, Paul says, of me or of us. What this is literally saying is, I want to grasp ever more firmly the purpose for which Christ grasps me. This was Paul's mighty motive, to, to achieve all that Christ desired when Jesus got a hold of him on his road to Damascus when he was off going after uh, believers and he, he wanted pain and, and inflict suffering to them and Jesus stops him, <laughs> blinds him. Leave that story in Acts for another day, you can read it. And Paul is saying, I want to lay hold of Christ. I want to have such a deep relationship with Christ so that he might use my life as an instrument to lay hold of everything he had in mind when he met me on Damascus. Why did Jesus stop and come after me? What is that purpose? And he says the same thing for all of us. Why did Jesus come after you and to me? What is that purpose? I got a purpose for you. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your stage. It doesn't matter your ability. It doesn't matter your, your racial ethnicity. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your pain or your joys. He says, I'm going to meet you, and I've got something for you. And Paul says, I want to know what that is, so I press on. I get to know Jesus Christ more. I spend more in this relationship. I spend more time with this relationship. 
have you discovered what God has laid hold of you for? Where does God want to lead you? Get to know Jesus. That's what Paul says. It's a journey. Are you trying to figure out your identity? Get to know Jesus. He'll let you know. He'll tell you. To accomplish this, Paul seems to say here that we must forget everything that he has done. So forget what's gone on in the past and go forward in what God still has to do for us. Christ has to do for us. And Paul asks others to join. Want to know Jesus? Go forward. Third thing here, want to know Christ? Look to examples. Verse 17 and 18 say this. Join together in following my example, brothers. This is Paul talking. Brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your eye on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is the stomach and their glory is in the shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Want to know Christ? Look to his examples. Paul says, look to me. Christ is everything to me. Look to others who are examples. Who do you know that's a fantastic example of following Jesus Christ? Talk to them. Have coffee with them. Sing with them. Go for a walk with them. Call them up on the phone. Send a text. Send an email. Ask them why. Join together, he says. Co-imitate, follow. We need to do this together. The same goal of complete conformity to Christ is to dominate our ways of thinking and living. It's interesting, he says here, don't live as enemies of the cross, verse 18, where it's all about self. Don't live for self is what he's saying. Don't follow your stomach. I've just been away on a trip for two different places for a week. My stomach is upside down. I don't last very long when I eat out all the time. (laughs) Even though my mind says, oh, it's so good. The rest of me says, no, it ain't. We follow our stomachs at times. It says, we grow our kingdom or for my glory. Are you building your kingdom? Are you building Christ's kingdom? It says here, Do we think about what I can get on this earth? Is it all about our perspective as earth? Instead, he says, let your heart break for others like the enemy of the cross. This is a fantastic little spot here that I think I've missed every time until now when I've read it. And it says this, Paul says, I tell you again, even with what? Tears. I tell you again, even with tears. He's crying as he's reading this and writing this letter to them. They mean something to him. Something is so emotional here for him. In fact, I would say he has learned in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, as he has learned to express love to others, his heart is broken for these individuals, for this church. But not just for this church. Who is it broken to? It's for those that are living not as Christ has asked. His heart is broken for the ones who are causing him pain. His heart is broken for the ones who have it out for him and who should know better. It's those ones we have expectations for and they're not meeting those expectations. In fact, they've flipped. That's who he's crying for. This brings me emotion. I think that's important to know. 
It's huge. Paul's heart breaks for those who sin, who know better. Who does your heart break for? Does your heart even break? Is it soft? This is a hard question to wrestle with. How does he do this? But it's incredibly important. Paul's heart breaks for those who hurt. Tears, it's interesting. The word tears is the same word used for Jesus as he enters Jerusalem for the last time and he cries as he looks out. Jerusalem wants him to be a king and he says, I'm going to be your king but not the way you think. And it says he cries. It's also the same word used when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's with alone with his father and he starts crying. It's the same word. In other words, his heart broke. If our hearts are hard because of circumstances and people, get to know Christ and the pain he endured for you and for me. Get to know Christ, the best relationship ever. Christ, when you do this, Christ will break our hearts toward him. Christ will break your heart toward others. Christ, and thank goodness for this, will break others' hearts towards me. I need that. I desperately need that. A broken and humble heart in resurrection power, posture, changes the world. Paul says here, Christ's love demands that you have a broken heart towards others. Because Christ's heart has been broken towards us. Our church desperately needs it. Our world desperately needs it. Last thing, time is gone. Our citizenship is in heaven. I won't take time to look, but just it's a different perspective. It's a different perspective. I'll leave that for you. It's interesting, he says, he talks about the word citizenship here, and, and actually the Philippians who he writes to would understand what this means because Philippi was a Roman colony. And so what it meant was anybody in Philippi who was part, they were part of the Roman colony, even though they weren't in Rome, had all the rights of Rome. So wherever they went, they had all the rights. And I think we sometimes forget that Christ is with us. We have all the rights and resurrection power within us as we go. <laughs> So we can live out that. Let me finish with this story. Um, I had a pastor I was chatting with probably last spring or so. And uh, he said, Todd, I got this uh, young guy coming to our church. I said, oh, that's fantastic. He said, no, I, like, you don't understand, Todd. It's not just that he's coming to our church. He's from an Arab country. And I said, oh. Um, I said, you know, how did he get here? Well, it was, it was persecuted. And uh, he um, came, and his family's still back. I can't mention the country because um, just can't. Apparently, if they find out information of this kind of stuff, they can impact their family. And so my pastor friend was also careful in what he told me. And he said, Todd, this fellow's been coming to our church for about a month and a half now. And uh, he's discovered that he needs Jesus. Jesus needs to be everything to him. He needs his best friend ever because of all that's going on. His family's being persecuted back at home. Um, his mom, his dad, his sister. Um, it's a horrible, horrible place. Um, and he, he actually said, Todd, this young man, as we've been meeting for the last month and a half, he said, you know what, I need, I need this relationship. And so he accepted Jesus, and he said, I need to get baptized. 
I got to get baptized. Because baptism shows that I want to go deep with God. It shows what God has done in my life and what Jesus has done in my life. So he got baptized about two weeks uh, before this pastor friend and I talked. But he said, Todd, this guy has to be very careful. We couldn't publicize the baptism. We couldn't show it publicly. We can't say his name. We can't let it out. Because if we do, something will happen to his family back home. Hmm. Suffering. Suffering for the cross of Christ. But it's the best relationship, only hope ever for this young man. So he takes that step. And then he's trusting God that God will take care of his family and walk through that. How's your hope? Where's your hope? Is Jesus your best friend ever? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being gracious, for kind. Thank you that you deeply love us. Thank you that your love is practical in so many ways. Thank you that your love reaches deep down into those areas that we push away, that we hide, that we run from, um, and can work through those. Lord, we need you to, even though it's hard, but you know that. Thank you for a resurrection power that brought you from the grave and gave you life and life over all, everything. And we can have that as well. And so we can walk through the situations that are in front of us, not to our own glory, not so we can, we can go, woohoo, our kingdom is growing, but it's for you, Lord. Father, whoever is here and we're maybe struggling with some of these things, uh, continue to show us that your perspective, your love is so much greater than what we see as challenges in front of us. Father, as your heart was broken for us, please continue to break our heart for others. Lord, our families need it. Our kids need it. Our parents need it. Our church family here desperately needs it. And I say all those things, Lord, knowing that you, as you do that, and you will do that, and we get to see that, that your resurrection power is alive and well, which proves your presence which proves our eternal security, <laughs> which proves we can live tomorrow and have another day because you are the best friend ever. Amen.